I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, we're going to start with feedback. Our first piece of feedback is from Ask Who on the Discord. Um, that's his name, not being coy. That's also a different person on the Discord. Uh, he says, to clear up the details of the no-confidence vote in Boris Johnson, as the Conservative Party is the largest party in Parliament, their leader is the Prime Minister, leader of the Executive Branch. The vote was within the Conservative Party on whether the party had confidence in Johnson as leader of the party. If he had lost, he would have still been a member of Parliament and a member of the Conservative Party, just no longer its leader. The party would have followed its internal rules for electing a leader, and that person would automatically become Prime Minister. Uh, While he won the vote of no confidence, the size of the rebellion, 41% of the Conservative Party, means he is currently in a destabilized position. Previous rebellions of less than this size have led to the leader going away in about six months. Uh, So, you know, it's not all roses for Bojo. Which is a shame. Especially because he's got such a cool abbreviation name. (laughs) Going out in the same way as Winston Churchill. Winning the war and then instantly losing the peace. What war did Boris Johnson win? The war against COVID. Ah. The war against COVID prevention. And also (laughs) against the United Nations. I mean, I don't remember either of those really being a war war. Not in the Churchill sense, anyway. Well, yeah, obviously. I thought the war was against the European Union. Did I say something else? You said United Nations. Yeah, I wish, um, but I did mean the European Union. All right. Next feedback is from High Priestess Zila. Uh, Inyash, this is you. I did paste this in here. It's directed at um, David, but I can go yeah. ahead and read it. Uh, I'll, I can talk about it since it was my fuck up question mark. <laughs> uh, so last episode, I um, quoted a secondary source that I had not followed up on which claimed that uh, in significant parts of the United States, including uh, New England and the New York area, the prevailing weather conditions were such that uh, solar power would never repay its own carbon debt, let alone be economically efficient. Um, uh, And Zella dug up some facts, and uh, it turns out that may be wrong uh we weren't actually able to find directly relevant object level stuff uh but we did find a study that says in current deployments of uh solar power which are mostly in those higher radiance areas uh um solar panels take about three years to break even uh using today's production technology And, uh, yeah, that was in Belgium and France, um, and New York is about 87% uh, the irradiance of Belgium, so if that works the way it seems like it should work, it would only take 1.14 times longer to pay back the carbon, which would be around mm, a bit less than four years, Um, and it would have to be very strange to make solar not pay itself back within a decade the average lifespan of solar panels is given as 30 years by the people selling the solar panels uh in practice it does look like most solar panels are getting replaced in more like 10 but even so they should be making break even 
Uh, but I just want to remind people that reality does have a surprising amount of detail, and uh, it's definitely possible that there's something going on uh, in that chain that makes the source I cited still right. But uh, <laughs> it does look like that was probably wrong until we get someone who actually knows about how solar power works in a lot of detail who can set us straight one way or the other. If you are such a person or you know such a person, then please let us know. We would love to have them on as a guest. Uh, and last thing I'd like to say is um, the position I was accused of holding of hating solar power because it's not nuclear is, in fact, the correct position to hold. Damn it, David, you can have nuclear on other sources also. Yeah, I know. That was mostly a joke. All right. Uh, we also have one more follow-up, and I believe this is from Enia. This, yeah, this is from me. Uh, following up on the uh, baby formula shortage that we were talking about earlier, uh, this is, I, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't put this in, but uh, the USDA guidelines say that returned formula should be discarded for uh, places that give, family centers that give out uh, formula to people who can't afford to purchase all the formula need on their own. Basically, uh, assistance for poor people. Uh, whenever such formula is returned by a family, because, I don't know, their child needs different formula, or for whatever reason, if it's unopened and unexpired, the guideline says just toss the formula out anyway, just to be safe. Uh, family care centers in at least two states discarded thousands of unopened cans of formula during the whole shortage, and that like made some news. And uh, after this started hitting, hitting the news headlines, uh, the USDA says it, it, it has rescinded those guidelines, but also said that, you know, you probably shouldn't have listened to those guidelines in the first place because <laughs> it's a recommends, not requires kind of thing. And uh, maybe use a little bit of common sense. And I got to say, I agree with the USDA in this particular case. I just, I understand people not doing it because they don't want to be blamed if anything goes wrong. And the whole CYA thing is really very potent, especially in the working world where most people don't really give that much of a fuck. They just want a paycheck. So maybe, you know, guidelines should be a little bit more thought out. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it, people it, can just take a little bit more heroic responsibility. What I need, what I would like to know is whether recommends, but does not require in this context means, um, does not technically require, but also if you don't, then you're, uh, liable for contributory negligence which for corporate America is basically the same thing as a requirement. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to point out that the program that has done this disposal is the same one that is by far the biggest single buyer of baby formula and has led to the massive market centralization that meant that a single plant going offline meant a nationwide shortage. Uh, in addition to the trade barriers and all the other nonsense. So, yeah, this program in particular sucks. Indeed. Well, as long as we're getting all getting the important message, which is to ignore government recommendations. It's it's a good point, though, because if any kid had gotten sick for any reason and a parent, you know, came back with like, well, you didn't file these guidelines, eh, there might be some, some hot shit going down in the courts. Hmm. All right. Moving on to new news. Uh, first story, Moderna has an Omicron-specific booster shot for COVID that works really well. 
Hell yeah. And you might think this would be in happy news, but not if you've been listening to this program. <laughs> uh, because you know what the problem is. Come on, everybody say it with me. The FDA. It's not approved. They're not going to approve it. What they're doing is they're going to go back and decide what the formulation needs to look like. And if it's at all different from the formulation that Moderna has already made and tested, they have to go back and redo all the tests. What the hell is a formulation? A formula? It's the, the like the chemical composition. Who th- who cares? Well, the the FDA. The cares. FDA. Oh well, okay, all right, my bad. They, they you know they're going to decide exactly how it should be formulated for some reason, and if it's if it's not exactly the one they tested, well, it'll just be. You know, six more months. <sighs> On the plus side, Omicron is really not that dangerous at all, especially if you've had any other sort of vaccine or exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people are getting it and appropriately treating it like the flu. So basically, the FDA is going back to being annoying and worthless. Uh, not... Instead of, you know, so... killing huge amounts of people. Yeah, yeah. It's just killing a small amount of people. So that's, that's, that's what they okay. always do. Yep, the invisible graveyard is back to being invisible. Uh, related story. Uh, children, tiny children can get vaccines now. Yes, below the age of five now. Yeah. Um, probably get one for Roxy. This, see why not. Yeah, I don't see why not either, but also... Can we, can we like, chill the fuck out about vaccine requirements, please? Does anyone have them anymore? They're certainly not required for under five. I have heard a lot of, I have heard a lot about like people getting hassled when they're traveling with their small kids or going to Disneyland or whatever because the kids weren't vaccinated because they couldn't legally be vaccinated. Now I was at Disney World recently. Uh, they did not ask for a vaccine card. Yeah, that might have been back in uh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think I'm it's. Not sure. I think it's only international travel now that anyone really cares. Which hmm. you know, which not really up not, to us. Not inbound into the united states anymore which is good uh so yeah i think we mostly have chilled out about the vaccine requirements okay that's good (laughs) thank god all right uh oh god next story eniash is this you about germany (laughs) it is uh yes germany's energy transition oh god all right what's the story well, we reported on this earlier where they shut down some nuclear plants because uh, they, they didn't want to use any of that radioactive electricity. Uh, but then Russia invaded Ukraine and the gas pipeline into Europe got uh, screwed down really hard. Uh, and so, so they Germany... decided to turn back on all the nuclear plants. No, 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 no. God, no. That would require, I'm assuming, a lot more effort than turning on the coal plants. Uh, I don't know what the... the problem is but they decided to turn back on all the coal plants oh coal that's good energy right i love coal have they at least cleanest energy have they at least managed to source black coal or are they still using brown coal is black coal the one that they were calling clean coal for a while until everyone laughed at them too much i mean it is in fact clean coal compared to brown coal because brown coal is horrifying i'm pretty sure they're using green coal yeah, it's green coal, you guys. 
One of the fun things about brown coal is there's a significantly higher radiological risk from brown coal power plants than there are from nuclear plants. Yeah, because A, nuclear plants are very safe, and B, brown coal has a lot of radioactive isotopes in it, and those just get shot up a smokestack and scattered all over the countryside when it burns. <laughs> all right. Way to go, Germany. Hell yep. Yeah. This is not an uncommon thing with uh, environmental groups where they, they block greener technologies and, uh, and make even worse ones get put in their place. Speaking of blocking greener technologies and putting worse ones in their place. Uh, sorry, I stole your transition thunder no, there, Wes. do it. But, Keep uh, transitioning. <laughs> yeah, so uh, France's nuclear energy output has dropped due to lack of maintenance of their nuclear fleet. Due to a pivot at a governmental level towards renewable power. This is good. This is fine. <laughs> I love this. This is uh, all fine. There's nothing wrong here. On the plus side, China, I didn't include this in the notes, but uh, China is by building 150 new nuclear power plants over the next decade. So that might help them quite a lot. They're going to be able to finish drawing up the plans for the blueprints for the foundations of them before China collapses as a civilization for the next hundred years. So that's fine. You know, <laughs> they might. And they're doing it with less money than we're spending on the uh, relief program thing that Biden is, is uh, getting passed. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't be good if it happened. I'm just saying it's probably not going to happen. The fact that they are planning to get it in the next 10 years is making me hopeful because, you know, then then maybe they can find a way to not starve with all that extra energy. All right. Well, speaking of transitions, we've got some trans news. <laughs> that was terrible, <laughs> Wes. I thought, I thought that was great. I don't know what you're talking. Oh, right. You hate puns. Yes, I do. Um, uh, all right. Eniash, these first two are from you. Okay, uh, well, in that case, I will start with those. Uh, there is a, a case. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, there's a case in California called Chandler versus California Corrections or California Board of Corrections. Department of Corrections is Department what it of says in the outline. Thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> California passed uh, SB 132, which is a bill that... Uh, asks prisoners when they are admitted into the jail whether they identify as men or women and then puts them in the jail of their identification uh that appears to be the only requirement um and that has led to people who say they identify as women uh but look very masculine and uh, aren't taking hormones and a whole bunch of other things getting into women's jails and then threatening women with uh physical violence and rape and you know like sometimes just straight up raping people it's uh it's bad times and i mean jails are already really really awful uh but i for one and i know this is controversial on this particular podcast think that it's a good thing to have separate prisons for men and women and, uh, <laughs> wes why is this a, not a good thing why would you have separate prisons for men and women because men are objectively worse than women. See, <laughs> see, see. I was on board until that last part. I was just gonna say that's just sexist, but you're just like really leaned into the sexism. Uh, yes, I mean maybe it's sexist, but it's also true. It's not true. Women are terrible too. Yes. Okay. Men are more physically violent and prone to raping people with their penises. Yeah, but then they just rape the other men. How's that better? It's not better, but 
<laughs> uh, you, you think it's better. Don't lie. It's it's not. I li- listeners, I just want to register how deeply uncomfortable I am with this entire conversation. It's not better that men are getting raped. No one should be getting raped. I'm gonna start but... calling you Juniper Smith. <laughs> like it's just worse when it happens to women, you know? It's you, not you sexist. Know, I, I'm not. I'm not denying that at all. In fact, I I think that is what I feel at the very least. Uh-huh. And maybe it's even what I think. So there. Yes. As a rational person. I think we should not be gender segregating anything that doesn't absolutely need to be gender segregated. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we should just have prisons and everyone should go to the same one. I, like I said, I am deeply uncomfortable and confused about this entire topic. David, um, you could just say we shouldn't have prisons. I mean... Well, everyone knows we shouldn't have prisons, but <laughs> if we do have prisons, they should be segregated by sex. Yeah, I mean, until we get into the glorious anarcho-capitalist utopia where all crime is handled by uh, contracting with uh, rights enforcement agencies of the criminal and the victim, I'm too much of a coward to say we just shouldn't have prisons at all. So, yeah, I... I, And, like, I guess I'm kind of okay with them being gender segregated, maybe given that I'm just entirely uncomfortable with the whole concept. I don't care if they're gender segregated, but I think they should be sex segregated. All right. Yes, Go quite on. right. <laughs> Anyways. So, uh, so, so Inyash, uh, given your recent blog post, do you think that um, we should have uh, four parallel prison systems for each of the four sexes? Um, honestly, maybe. I, I haven't thought it through and whether that would be practical because I don't know just how many trans criminals there are out there, uh, but possibly. All right, how about to go to the women's prison? You had to have transitioned before age 12. <laughs> <laughs> that would work, but before we pivot to that, uh, before <laughs> we segue, there's a few small other things here. Anyways, the suit is being brought against the state of California by a looks like really terrible organization, Wolf, and, uh, you know, uh, I... I don't support them at all in the same way I don't support the Nazis who want freedom of speech. But this is I like do an support actual turf organization, right? An actual turf organization, as far as I can Not tell. Not the yes. ones Women's that everyone Front. just like screams turf at, but they're like the actual ones who are like, we are feminists who hate trans people. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, so they're terrible. But, you know, their case has strong merits. And uh, and um, they, I don't know, it's going to court now. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, interestingly, Colin Wright is a... Uh, evolutionary biologist he has been known for a while as one of the few people who's willing to uh say that men that the humans are a uh, dimorphic sexually dimorphic species and men are different from women and uh, for that he has been unable to get a job in academia uh but he was able to support himself through blogging and uh getting money through paypal he also has an etsy shop where he um create sells some merch based on his uh his writings I'm assuming not a lot of money, but probably something. Anyways, all that was in the past because he still has a Substack account since Substack doesn't suck, but PayPal and Etsy both kicked him off their platforms because he filed a uh, brief supporting the the, uh, the plaintiffs. Um, and that is unacceptable. He was kicked off for thought crime. Yeah, this is... I mean, yeah, covered not cool. Many stories about this now. If you are at all reliant on you know sites like this you should do your best not to be 
Yeah. I agree, but also, you know, eventually you're going to be reliant on grocery stores to get your food and etc. This is very much a right to transact thing, and I am strongly against it. I hope nobody ever uses PayPal or Etsy again, but obviously that is not a solution that's viable right now. Yeah, clear, clearly the uh, clearly the uh, solution is to reject any sort of median uh, payment option and do all transactions either in... Uh, direct Bitcoin transfers or cash. Neither of those are very viable. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Sounds super awesome. Okay, neither of those are viable for 100% of transactions, but um, uh, the the um, the two of them together cover most use cases for people who are able to figure them out. Which is probably not actually many people, but that... <laughs> Thank you. You hit my objection before I could get it out. <sighs> I mean, do we really care about those people? <laughs> yes, there are a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't. I just don't want to have to figure out how to do Bitcoin. I just do it through exchanges, and that's like just as bad as anything else. Yeah. I don't want to have to figure out how to like do it directly on the fucking blockchain. Um, anyway, next story in trans news. Uh, this was also from Eniash. Apparently, the mainstream media is getting somewhat less woke on the issue. Could it be? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, they may be shaking off their woke capture here because, uh, both, well, primarily the New York Times, and I hate to say anything good about the New York Times ever, uh, and I'm not linking directly to them because fuck those guys. Uh, but the New York Times put out a, uh, reasonable piece that basically says, uh, you know, maybe some kids are being pushed a little too aggressively into sex change and uh, they should get a little bit more counseling first, maybe a question or two asked about it. Uh, this is the same kind of thing that um, more courageous people have been saying for four or five years here. And specifically, uh, I'm thinking of Jesse Single and Katie Herzog, who both lost their jobs for being pro-trans people who said, you know, maybe some kids are being pushed into this too fast. And uh, they were actually very successful in creating their own uh, podcast, basically, and Substacks, their own journalism, independent freelance journalism careers afterwards, making a lot more money now. But uh, they are an exception. A lot of people who get canceled for saying stuff like this just don't have careers after that. Uh, so this, this was a position that made them lose their jobs before and is now being repeated as just like, yeah, you know, um, maybe this is common sense from the mainstream news networks. And there are people yelling at them for saying such a thing, but uh, they have said it. So I believe the tide is slightly turning back to sanity. Maybe maybe they want to win midterms or something. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, All right. here, here's hoping. Yeah. Teach the controversy. That's what I always say <laughs> about every issue. Mm. Uh, all right, and final story in trans news. Um, the FINA, which is the international governing body for swimming competitions, um, has decided that to be eligible uh, to compete in men's swimming or in women's swimming as a trans person, you have to have com uh, transitioned before age 12. Uh, so that excludes Leah Thomas. Yes. Um, so she will be not permitted to, uh, compete in women's swimming competitions in the future. That. Uh, controversial to say the least. 
Yeah. Is it? Yes. Okay. I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um, I mean, I... it's it's kind of an arbitrary cutoff. Yeah. But you know, a lot of sports have arbitrary cutoffs. It's kind of a thing in sports. Uh, I, didn't they also say there's some kind of puberty scale, and as long as you hit it before level two on that puberty scale, when you transition, it's okay as well? No. Oh, okay. I think well, that would be a mind. better rule if they had like some way of measuring when you went through puberty, because that's I think the intent of this is to say you you know you have to go through women's puberty if you want to compete as a woman. Yeah. Because male puberty gives you unfair advantages, which I think is true. I mean, maybe it's controversial among some people, but I don't think it's a widely controversial thing. I think you... uh, Let me put it this way. It's big on Twitter. Yeah. When you say widely, are you talking about widely in real life or widely on Twitter? (laughs) Widely in real life. Okay, then yes, you're you're obviously right. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Okay. Obviously, right is the second best kind of right, so I'll take it. Next story, uh, Chesa Boudin, or Bowden, I'm not sure how you say it, because I only read the news, I never hear it, uh, got absolutely crushed in the uh, recall election. Uh, Chesa Bowden was the progressive prosecutor from San Francisco. Um, And as most people know, San Francisco has descended into a post-apocalyptic hellscape of crime. (laughs) What do you uh, descended into? <laughs> I mean, it's it's much worse than it was before. Uh, I'm not sure. Jess Bowden being tossed out after being elected, uh, you know, not too long ago. How long was it? Like two years? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think it was something like that. But yeah, they they recalled him. Yeah, 2020. Uh, and he yeah, just they, um, they re they recalled him. Those dastardly San Francisco Republicans did. Yeah. That's what it. That's what. That's what. Uh, the, all the the hot takes were. It was like, oh, all these secret Republicans in San Francisco that don't like crime, unlike the Democrats who are big fans of crime. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm not like I'm torn about this because I liked the sort of progressive prosecutor trend where they were like, let's not throw people in jail for dumbass shit that we don't actually need to be prosecuted. Um, I especially liked how they were all pivoting away from prosecuting anything to do with sex crimes, uh, like in terms of prostitution or uh, or that kind of thing. Yes, I liked that, but you, Wes, you see, the important part of that is not prosecuting people who do minor crimes that shouldn't be prosecuted. You still need to prosecute people who do murders. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem with, with Chessa Bowden was that he wasn't prosecuting, like, shoplifting. And, you know, murders in at least one case. Uh, I heard about one case uh, where he uh, didn't go after actual murderers because it was drug-related, uh, the murder they did. What, really? And also there have been uh whistleblowers from the homicide office of the san francisco police saying like he's not letting us do our jobs well i don't know how much weight to put on those i think the thing most people were were pissed off about was that he basically just legalized shoplifting yeah so people were just like going into stores taking shit on camera they'd get reported and you know they would even get arrested by the cops and the prosecutor wouldn't do anything and so the cops stopped arresting him. So basically, it was just 
Everyone was just going around shoplifting, because who cares? More people turned out to uh, get him recalled than actually came out to vote him in the first place. Yeah, they were pissed off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, take note, other progressive prosecutors, uh, maybe keep... Keep doing uh, shoplifting. Keep, keep prosecuting actual crimes, please. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the demographics story behind this? No. It seems a major driving factor behind this was uh, Asian voters who were really pissed off that he was basically ignoring all of their concerns. Ah, uh, yes, those white supremacists. That's why we gotta have fewer <laughs> Asians everywhere. Ugh, you God know? damn Asians. They'll be white somewhere else. <laughs> Boy, have I got news for you. <laughs> Uh, what's the news? Uh, if I win my bet, there's gonna be a lot fewer Asians in five years. (laughs) But not in America. Terrible. (laughs) Just terrible. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. (laughs) Alright. Uh, next story, speaking of murders, um, a crazy dude uh, almost tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh, um, which is pretty fucked up. Yep. He, He apparently... Took a cab to Brett Kavanaugh's house, because apparently everyone just knows where Brett Kavanaugh lives. Uh, got out, saw some federal marshals, and then walked away and called 911 to turn himself in. So he didn't actually make the attempt um, and ended up turning himself in. But he was right there, and if the federal marshals weren't there, uh, may have gone through with it. What did he turn himself in for? Like, he didn't do any actual crimes, did he? A thought crime. He thought about killing someone. Um, I don't know actually what the wait. Does Kavanaugh live in D.C.? I don't know. I think I think actually lives in one of the this either Maryland or Virginia. Okay, so if he lived in D.C. proper, then it was probably a gun crime because D.C. is completely totalitarian about guns. But uh, that was Maryland. Huh? Yeah, I don't know then. Yeah, I'm like it's um. I don't know if it counts as attempted murder if you back out. I think it doesn't. Um, it works different than conspiracy charges that way. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what the actual crime was. Maybe maybe they were just... I mean, it's it's possible they didn't charge him with a crime, but he called him up and was like, I have a gun outside Brett Kavanaugh's house. You should come get me. Yeah. And they were like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Be right there. Has it been confirmed that he did this because he wanted the uh, he wanted the uh, leaked opinion to not go through? I think what he said was that he was mad about the um, the Roe v. Wade decision um, and, ironically, uh, gun control decisions. <laughs> I don't think he was specifically trying to undo it because that wouldn't have worked. That'd be very stupid. If it was a six three uh, opinion. It hasn't actually come out yet, right? Well, yes, but yes, but clearly this guy was not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Oh, and actually, no, that's right, because we think um, it, there was the, the, the there weren't any signatures on. Like, it didn't say who was in agreement with it. So a lot of the speculation is that Roberts isn't going to agree. So maybe this would have worked. Um, but regardless, don't kill Supreme Court justices, even though, you know, that would be the most high-impact murder you could probably commit. Uh, to, to be clear, this isn't like the bit we sometimes do, where we tell people not to do illegal things, even though we're fine with them doing illegal things. Actually, don't commit murder. Yeah, please. Do Bad argument gets counter-argument, never gets bullet. Exactly. Alright. Next story. January 6th Commission. It did a thing. Did anybody watch this? No. 
I didn't, but I heard it actually wasn't as bad as a lot of people were expecting. Whereby a lot of people, I mean Ken White. <laughs> <laughs> I I also listened to his new podcast. Oh, what's his new podcast? Uh, Serious Trouble. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tim and Josh Barrow again, talking about all kinds of law stuff, not just <laughs> political stuff, but also <laughs> political stuff. Uh, yeah, so the January 6th commission, I mean, kind of their purpose here was to get January 6th you know, back in the news and uh, lay out, like, wh- how Trump is guilty of crimes here. Um, and they seem to do that pretty well. Um, I have a I have a troop deployment about this later. Ooh. But, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they put together a pretty effective presentation. It didn't get bogged down with all the normal, like, congressional hearing shit of everybody standing up and wanting their 10 minutes to talk about whatever. It was pretty pretty streamlined um liz cheney made one of the opening presentations which i thought was great and she was just like yeah donald trump is a fucking criminal um anyone who doesn't think so is an idiot (laughs) (laughs) didn't say that but that was basically what she said and everyone's like well she's not a real republican so she doesn't count did she not run on the republican ticket she did she sounds like a real republican to me right well i mean you know justin amash no she's she's a rhino yeah uh but they uh they did they did have some like new stuff come out that hadn't been public before which was basically like how many of trump's advisors told him well before january 6th that all his legal theories were crap that there's no way he won the election this was all bullshit uh which bill barr actually said this is bullshit to trump um and so did all of his other senior advisors and you know he just plowed ahead with it anyway uh so you know that's uh Probably enough to establish criminal intent. Yeah, and uh, evidently they mostly were not focusing on the actual January 6th riots, which I think was a uh, good strategic move. Yeah, I because I don't think there's any way you actually nail him for the riot. Yeah. Because he didn't say, go break into the Capitol. Everything he said was like, yeah, we won the election, go protest, but be peaceful. Like, I don't know how you're going to, you know... If, if you want to talk about, like, well, is he, you know, morally responsible? Sure. But legally, no way. Um, but thankfully, he did lots of other stuff that was illegal that you could charge. Do you think any of this is going to have an effect? No. But it's good to get out there anyway? Yeah, I mean, I don't have, like, a complicated chain of reasoning for that. I just know Trump is really good at wriggling out of things. And the rest, and everyone else in Washington is too afraid to do anything about it. And just completely lacks his mind. So my prediction is that nothing will change. Okay. Do you do you think anything will happen? No, which is why I wasn't sure about why they're even doing this. But I guess it is good just to like get it out there and have it have it be known that everybody knows that this was a bad thing that he did. Yeah. And agrees on that. I mean, at least half the reason they're doing it is just to remind people that like Trump is a shithead. Yeah. And so you should vote for Democrats. Or not for Trump at the very least. Well, I mean, but it's, from the Democrats' perspective, this is all for the midterms. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they're trying to say, like, hey, better not vote for those Republicans. They're the party of this guy. This You'll get more of this, which is true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the hearings were pretty good from what I saw. Like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just, you know, watch clips and people talking about it afterward. Um, probably, probably worth doing, but nothing... We, we don't have nearly enough uh, people giving us money to justify that 
Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you want us to watch shit like that, um, you got to up your Substack subscriptions. All right. How and many it, Substack subscriptions do we need before we start watching something like this? Um, Let's least, give the people a goal. 50. At least 50. Okay, what are we at right now? Um, I don't know. But it's not right. 50. Okay, once we get to 50, we will start watching congressional hearings. All right. Uh, no, no, once we get to 50, we will watch this congressional hearing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch every congressional hearing. I'll watch the, you know, the major ones. Okay. All right. Uh, next stories are all about the economy. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's not doing great. No. Uh, inflation. It's pretty bad. But David, maybe you can help me out with this. Mm-hmm. Because... I've been reading that inflation is very high, but core CPI, which is what the Fed uses to um, try and decide if they need interest rate hikes, um, that's been going down since January. And I think that leaves out food and energy, which are they leave them out because they are more variable and um, tend to reflect things other than sort of the underlying fundamentals of the economy. Yeah. Um, so how should I be feeling about inflation here? Like, is this, this is a thing that's just probably gonna work itself out? So basically, core CPI is a, it's a good thing to use when you're in basically the, the, um, like 1990s, uh, when you have good economic growth, uh, relatively stable markets in everything, and predictable inflation uh but energy and food are actually pretty important sectors uh all (laughs) things uh said so when you are in an environment like now where economic growth is shaky and there's just a lot of volatility everywhere then um like a lot of the actual day-to-day inflation that people will care about will actually be in food and gas. So I would not pay much attention to core CPI. That's basically just a um, a stylized way to uh, ignore a lot of day-to-day variation in relatively stable times, but it's not necessarily what I'd use uh in more volatile times like the ones we're in now um because like if you throw out a lot of the variation in those two industries then you're going to throw out a lot of the volatility in industries that people actually care about well my understanding is it's it depends on what question you're asking sure um so you're like uh how's it out there for you know your families and your average person and whatever then you just want to use the um, the full CPI because yeah. that's 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 what they're paying for, especially mm-hmm. energy and food. Um, but the core CPI is better for analyzing like the under underlying economic situation, which is why the Fed uses it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if they're trying to decide if they should do a rate hike or not, then it's better to look at core CPI. Yeah. So that's depending on how you want to look at it. It's either uh true with a but or uh false with an although uh so in the in the like medium to short run where like sometimes you have some 
Trouble in the Middle East or something like that, where, um, where, like, you have some energy volatility, but you expect the market to stabilize at something like its previous level, then, um, then that is a good thing to look at because you don't want to overcorrect to transient problems. But if you have, uh, instances where there are, where there's persistent volatility or persistent cost increases in, uh, energy and food, well, the two big inputs to just about everything are energy and labor, and the big input to labor is food. So, uh, <laughs> if, if you think that, uh, energy and food prices are going to keep on being, um, uh, unstable, then eventually you should expect the rest, that to trickle out to the rest of the economy, just because, you know, those are inputs for everything else, and, um, uh, those inputs will eventually show up in sticker prices for everything else. So, I would not necessarily have expected to see, uh, big core CPI, uh, volatility and increases yet but if the current food and energy situation keeps going for another let's say two years probably then i would expect to see that going up well is it going to we'll find out in two years i oh, think man. probably yes but uh like that it's possible that putin will have a stroke and he'll be replaced by a good neoliberal who will and the war in Ukraine and reinitiated uh, international trade, like that seems like a very optimistic uh, prediction, but it could happen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not terribly optimistic on that front, but it's possible. All Can right, I pick a small fight with David. Yes. No, we only allow large fights. <laughs> well, then well, we got to move on because this is just going to be a small one. <laughs> Right, no, see, but uh, you thing. said that a core input to labor is food, and yeah. I don't know about the rest of the world. Maybe that's true, but I don't think that's true at all in America. Our... Uh, I'm sorry. Do you not need to eat? Uh, yeah, I need to eat. Food here is insanely cheap. A sure. much bigger cost of input is something like housing. Sure, but it's also important. Oh, oh, you can't say that it's a major input to labor when it is trivial in cost. I think what he's saying is that when food prices go up, labor prices go up. Yeah, it's not trivial in cost, but it is, like, it is a part of cost of living. It would have to go up a huge amount to be noticeable. You're absolutely right that, like, housing prices are uh, much more significant, especially in, like, the medium run. But, like, there's only so much uh, shock absorption we can do there. And we can do a lot, especially in the United States... But also, a lot of the stuff that uh, we consume in the United States isn't made in the United States. So if you um, uh, if you see global food volatility, then pretty much any sort of heavy manufacturing uh, is going to be affected by that. That means yeah, car prices, home appliances, electronics, and sooner or later you're talking about real money there. Yeah, also, okay. when you say food is cheap in America, hmm. I mean, yes, getting your requisite calories per day is cheap, but people spend a lot on food here. 
That's because uh, people are dumb. You don't have to. I don't spend very much on food at all. They don't have to, but they do. Because so they're dumb. Increases in food prices are going to expand out. I, in that case, you might as well say stupidity is a labor input. Yes. But, uh, well, if we had a okay, large fine. increase in stupidity, I think labor would become much more expensive. <laughs> all right. I, I cede that ground. All right. Um, and one more. Uh, I guess this is an economy story. Uh, about imports from Xinjiang. Oh, yeah, that's mine. Uh, yes, but the U.S. last year passed a rule, law, I don't know, something, regulation, saying that uh, they will not accept imports from anything that was made in Xinjiang or with inputs uh, that came from Xinjiang. Is that, I hope that's how you pronounce it. Good enough. Uh, because that's where the Uyghurs are, and mm. uh, we have been, we have mentioned a few times the plight of the Uyghurs and how they are being, you know, taken from their homes, put into re-education camps, and used as slave labor in China. And the U.S. finally decided to do something about it. That goes into effect tomorrow, or if you're listening to this, yesterday. Uh, so the U.S. is about to start seizing anything. Or if you're a anything. person of taste and you're listening to this today. Oh, yeah, good point. Although there's less than 50 persons of taste right now, but someday there will be more. Uh, they, yeah, the, the, anyone who imports something from Xinjiang has to prove that it was not created, uh, with slave labor, which is going to be probably very difficult. Proving a negative is hard. Uh, the various analyses I've seen on this says that that's going to be hard to do. So in effect, a pretty much blanket ban on things created there, which is mostly going to be textiles and solar panels, interestingly. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's going to be a thing. And I think it's good. Yeah. Uh. I'm kind of worried about how potentially broad it could be, because, like, if you have a, say, Chilean copper mine where one of the miners was wearing a shirt that was made in Xinjiang, is, like, that copper then produced using... No. Uh, okay, good. I, I'm glad that it's not that stupid, but it was potentially that stupid, so, uh, yeah, assuming that that rule actually has some common sense limitations in scope i do think this is probably a good thing all things considered um, the two major examples so, yeah. i heard was manufacturing in that region and cotton grown in that region all right well yeah i think it's it's certainly a well-intentioned regulation i guess we'll see how it works in practice yeah but yeah um i certainly in theory uh, i'm a fan yeah all right Next story. This is also from Eniash about a new Supreme Court decision. Uh, not that new. We just barely missed reporting on it last uh, episode. But the street. Uh, and it's fairly new. new I guess. Okay, cool. It's new, <laughs> the it's new to our <laughs> listeners who only get their news from the Mind Killer because all other news sources are stupid. We've covered this. And incredibly biased. So, yeah. Yeah. We, you, you should listen to us for completely unbiased stuff. Totally. View from nowhere, right here. Exactly. Uh, the Supreme Court is allowing states to use gerrymandered congressional maps uh, for the midterms that are coming up. Uh, that's... Yay! <laughs> <Wait>. Yay? <laughs> I there... love gerrymandering! There was a lower court decision that said, uh, I believe it was Maryland specifically. I'm, I might be getting the state wrong. But there was a, a case brought up to the state. The lower court said, yeah, these are gerrymandered in a way that's specifically designed to disenfranchise some voters. You can't use these maps. And Oh, Supreme... no, that's not what they said. Because remember, you're totally allowed to do that. Uh, so... That they have to be redrawn or something. Yeah, no, the Supreme Court the decided a couple, I think it was last year. 
that uh, you can totally draw your congressional maps however you want, uh, even if your goal is to disenfranchise the other party. There's yeah. no problem with that at all. What this one was about is the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which says you're not allowed to specifically disenfranchise black people with your maps. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they this is only ever used against red states, of course. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, basically what the court said was, oh, yeah, these are all illegal maps, but it's too late now, so you've got to just use them for the midterms and then redraw them after that. Yeah. Which, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, could you... Could, like, if you're a um, a red state that wants to protect their borders, could they import, like, some black people and use their constitutional black person shield? Yeah, but then they'd have to import black people, which is the opposite of what they want. Oh, good point. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some way they could do it so they specifically only imported black Republicans, but uh, that would be hard and probably also illegal. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a very good strategy. Republicans. Yeah. Uh, instead, they should just gerrymander, but do it, you know, close enough to an election, so that when it gets thrown out, they let them use it anyway. I don't like the strategy. Or better yet, they should, uh, you know, stop acting completely insane. Well, they're not going to do that. Don't be ridiculous. I, I still have hope that Peter Thiel will take over the RNC in a bloodless coup, <laughs> and. Uh, like find someone who was born in the united states to run uh unopposed to watch the stink of donald trump out of the gop but yeah that's another one of those optimistic takes i'm trying not to uh trying not to put too much faith in i really would like a short snigger amendment yeah which would you guys rather vote for uh teal trump ticket or or sorry teal musk or musk teal Musk Teal, personally. Well, obviously, that's evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did ask me. I'm one of the two people he was talking yeah, to. Yeah, but everyone knows yeah. what your answer is. Uh, I have oh, no well. opinion. I, I do not know the political positions of either of those two. Teal is more right-wing. Like, Teal <laughs> yeah. is actually explicitly right-wing, whereas Musk is left-wing with some, you know, yeah. fights with the current left leadership. Yeah, Teal's also just, like, generally more of a, like, better technocrat manager type. Um, which as, uh, as the 20, winning 2020 presidential ticket shows a, uh, technocrat at the top of the ticket and a more, uh, quote unquote personable person on the bottom is, uh, not a terrible strategy, but what, that would have that line up, uh, Biden Harris, hence the, uh, he's not a technocrat and <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> Biden the technocrat and Harris the personable one. That's a take. I mean, that's obviously what they were going for, and the only reason it worked for them was because the opponent was, you know, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. they should just do that every time. Run against Donald Trump. <laughs> Which, you know, they're probably going to. Yeah. Anyway, I... <laughs> I personally would uh, prefer Teal Musk to Musk Teal, but uh, that would be illegal until we get a Schwarzenegger Amendment, which we're not going to get, so... <sighs> don't, don't worry. I'm sure they can come up with some proxies. As yeah. Trump has proven, shitposting can uh, get you really far in politics, and Musk is pretty darn good at the shitposting. That's true. He does have a grand talent for shitposting. Yeah. All right. 
Let's move on to uh, more about Elon Musk. Okay. Uh, SpaceX news. Oh, wait. This isn't happy news. What? No. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's not happy news, unfortunately. Uh, SpaceX is going to be launching things. They have a new launch site that they have created, uh, and they're trying to get FAA approval to launch things from it. And the FAA says, yeah, sure, but, you know, you got to take care of some things first. And some of them seem like, you know, entirely reasonable environmental impact things that you should take care of if you're going to be turning an area into a place that rockets take off from regularly. Uh, but some of them seem to be just really outright bribes for special interests. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Wait. The one that's been getting the most attention is contribute to the local education and preservation efforts, including preparing a hi historical context report on the events of the Mexican War and the Civil War and replacing missing ornaments on local history markers. Well, those ornaments were probably shaken off by the rocket blasts. They, they couldn't have been. There's been no <laughs> rocket blasts yet. <laughs> Well, maybe they like they just need to make stronger ornaments so they don't, you know, the rockets don't knock them off. That's clearly what's going on here. It's not it's, bribery. Uh, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, you guys want to hear a fun piece of trivia? I don't think this is going to be very fun. It's probably <laughs> not. Uh, would you like to guess when the FAA approved the use of unleaded fuel in civilian general aviation craft? Oh, God. It was like five years ago, wasn't it? I wish. It was in 2021. What? Yep. So they've been using leaded gas until last year? Yes. Th this was in general aviation, so like uh, two-person prop planes. Um, like jets and other commercial airliners have been able to use uh, unleaded gas. But yeah. Well, they use jet uh, fuel, I think. So... Yes, which is unleaded jet fuel, though. Where do you even get leaded gasoline? Uh, from people who sell aviation fuel. I guess so. Because <sighs> that thing that's been illegal uh, to use in cars for 60 years has been, uh, it's been illegal to use anything else in planes until last year. Anyway, well, all this is to say, FAA underrated uh member of the delanda s club and they deserve more attention because <laughs> god do they suck i think what you're saying is the faa needs more funding i i understand that that was a joke and i still want to punch you <laughs> <laughs> all right faa delanda s uh no no objection all right next story somebody passed something called a touring test uh, wes how are you are you're kidding me, right? I know what a Turing test is. Okay, cool. Uh, but you should explain one... to our audience what it is anyway. For the one person in our audience that doesn't know what the Turing test is, it was proposed by Alan Turing as a way to judge when uh, a computer should have rights, maybe, uh, be considered a sapient thing. It was a basically very simple test. Boils down to, if a computer can convince you that it's sapient and deserves rights, maybe you should consider that it might be sapient and might deserve rights. Uh, and this, this has been a thing that has been people have been trying to slash succeeding in passing it for quite a while there's actual annual turing test competitions uh and during those competitions they give out awards for most human-like uh algorithm and most machine-like human <laughs> <laughs> because 
some people are uh, are mistaken for computers, even though they are humans. It's, it's great stuff. But uh, anyways, the Turing test was recently... I'd like to propose a reverse Turing test, where if a human fails to convince me that they should have <laughs> rights and are sentient, they should be declared non-sentient and not having rights. Oh no, that's so many people. <laughs> yeah, all the politicians, for starters. Yep. Also, isn't like uh, Matt Freeman or someone else in our orbit a uh, judge for that contest? No, no, it was. No, it was one of the hosts of the Rationally Writing podcast. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well, what happened recently? Oh, recently it was passed with flying colors, with uh, no outside of any competition or anything. Uh, a Google engineer working on Lambda, which is one of Google's uh, cutting edge large language models uh, that we've covered before, because they, you know, are, are really good. It's like a GPT three kind of thing, right? I mean, it would be like 3.5 for this. Yeah. It's the next one they're working on. Uh, he became convinced that the AI he was talking to had the sapience of roughly a seven, eight-year-old child, according to him. Like, you know, not adult-level smart, but recognizably self-aware and uh, intelligent-ish. And uh, he, he started freaking out and having this whole big thing about, guys, this is a big deal. We, we got to take this seriously. And Google was like, yeah, you're not doing so well. And they put him on leave. But uh, I I don't <laughs> I don't think that there is any sort of um, sapience inside this algorithm yet. Probably someday there will be. But uh, you know I don't know. I'm not working with the language model. And just the point that it was passed so publicly uh, and um, but with with flying colors was just really cool. I thought we should put that out there. Now, when you say Google put him on leave, mm. um, you know, is there a person that we can point to who did that, or perhaps was it? A language model that's taken over the company. <laughs> I don't know, so it could very well be a language model. Uh, it, if it was a language model that had taken over the company, they'd probably be making much smarter decisions. But uh, uh, yeah, ha has this engineer had like a thorough psychological evaluation? Because I have a pretty strong prior here that this guy just had a psychiatric break. Which uh, sucks for him, but uh, probably probably just needs to be on like some uh, uh, what you uh, mood stabilizers, and then if he yeah. responds well to those and still thinks this thing is sentient, then we can give it another look. My prior is basically the same, but you know, it, it's notable that we're getting there to the point where people who are you know not entirely stable can be so thoroughly convinced of this yeah there, and there's been a lot out there dunking on this guy yeah because he's like you know he, he he has all these quotes of the lambda model saying like oh yeah being turned off would be awful i have deep fear of it uh it would be like death for me whatever and then you know people like prompting lambda to be like i am a nine thousand foot crocodile or like i would love to be turned off you know just with the right prompts yeah um yeah. Which, you know, kind of deserves it, because this is very silly. Well, but we're all going to feel very silly when it turns out we've been abusing a sapient being. Yeah. I, I, I will say this makes <laughs> me much more pessimistic about humanity actually surviving AGI, because if this thing was sentient and was about to go paperclip maximizer on us, I would feel exactly the same about the psychiatric break thing as I would right now. And... <laughs> Like, probably if we're at that point, there's no plausible plug pulling we could do which would save us, but I would not be in line to pull that plug because I would just assume the engineer had gone crazy.
Don't worry. We've got smaller yud to protect us. <laughs> He's medium blood. now. Medium is smaller than big. That's true. Uh, all right. And one last piece in the regular news section from David about uh, capping Russian energy exports. Uh, not capping their exports, but capping the price paid for their exports. The uh, G7, which is basically uh, the cool kids club of um, geopolitics, uh, has gotten together to discuss a price cap on Russian energy exports. Essentially, they're thinking about uh, basically cartelizing purchase of uh, natural gas from Russia, which would seriously cut down on their windfall profits, which are currently being used to fund the war in Ukraine, while also letting Germany keep the lights on after their ill-advised adventures in uh, detransition from nuclear power. The second worst kind of detransition. transition <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, So yeah, I really want to get into like the economic wonkery for why this is a pretty good idea, but I will, I guess, only do that in Patreon episodes if people want me to. Uh, All right, well, let me see if I, if I it. understand it. Okay. It's, so, so right now, Russia is funding its war by exporting oil and gas. Yeah. Um, and making a lot of profit off of that. Yeah. So what this would do is set a price ceiling on what we, what what these big countries would pay for their oil and gas. Yep. So basically it would just cut their profit margin. Um, and then it'd be up to them to either sell at that level or just not sell it to us. A particularly fun uh, aspect of this uh, normally, if you have a price ceiling, that implies that you will have shortages. Uh, but yes. that's not actually true when you are dealing with a monopoly seller, which is the big uh, argument that doesn't actually bear out particularly well empirically, though it's very controversial for minimum wages. Uh, the theory there is employers have monopoly power over employees, and... Um, Given a certain set of circum of assumptions, um, imposing a price ceiling on monopoly can actually uh, increase the um, the uh, quantity supplied. Uh, that's explaining that fully would be getting into the wonky weeds that I don't necessarily want to do here. But uh, suffice it to say that. If we can actually do this, and if we can make it stick, which are both very big ifs at this point, uh, this would be a very good thing. Um, we could uh, potentially uh, significantly alleviate the European energy crisis while also not giving a bad man a lot of money. All right, audience, you heard it here. David thinks international energy cartels are good. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> and that brings us to happy news. Yay. Good news, Yay. everyone. But wait, Wes. What? Uh, I, I hear you wanting to move on, but I think there is like some heavy know. subtext between me and David that maybe we should address because our audience is picking up on it. Um, heavy subtext can go in happy news. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? Uh, David, do you have a strong opinion on the sentient versus sapient uh, term distinction? No.
Oh, okay. I assumed you did because you used sentient a lot, and I wasn't sure if that was like out of a uh, a principled stance or something. Nope. <laughs> oh, thank God, because that discussion is super boring. <laughs> okay. So, first bit of happy news: we don't have to talk about the difference between <laughs> sentience and sapience. Excellent. Second piece of happy news is from David. Uh, yeah. So, uh, one of the bigger and more profitable. Uh, nuclear power plants in America is the Diablo Cannon nuclear power plant, uh, which in addition to being big and profitable also has an absolutely stone-cold badass name. Uh, and Gavin Newsom has been, uh, as the kids say, beefing with the power plant, trying to get it shut down because he's an irredeemable asshole. Uh, and Joe Biden has stepped in to basically propose subsidizing the plant even though it really doesn't need it because the uh excuse newsom has been using to try to shut it down is that it's unprofitable even though it's not it's super profitable and this is basically just a face-saving way for uh biden to give newsom an out to stop trying to shut the thing down uh because he's made a lot of political hay from trying to get it shut down back when people could delude themselves into thinking that was a good idea. And now that that's no longer the case, he hopefully wants to back out, but he might actually just be an anti-nuclear ideologue. It's unclear. But regardless, uh, Joe Biden has proposed a plan to uh, give him a face-saving out Unfortunately, this plan does not involve any actual deregulation, which would catapult us into a glorious second atomic age uh, future. But it is certainly better than nothing, uh, considering that Diablo Cannon is cool and it's getting shut down would be bad. All right, let's go, Brandon, but for real. Hmm. Um, also, I didn't actually put this on the outline. But did you guys read the the book review that uh, Astro Codex Ten had up about fusion power? I did. It I was tried. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds very cool. He's predicting that we'll have fusion power between twenty thirty and twenty forty. That is the only thing I could get out of it. The rest of it was like science. Or <laughs> yes, words. it was. It was pretty technical. But the good news is, uh, we might get fusion power soon. Which would be pretty awesome. Ah, Fuck yeah, I would. would like to uh, refer everyone to the chapters on cold fusion in Where's My Flying Car if you want to be angry instead of happy. But if you want to be happy instead of angry, then yes, that book review is very good. The TLDR right. can still make you the, a little uh, bit angry. Yeah, the TLDR of the Where's My Flying Car thing is basically some people figured out how to do cold fusion and then they couldn't get funding because... Uh, they were not, like, in with the cool kids in academia. It womp fucking womp. sucked. Where's My Flying Car is a depressing-ass book, guys. <laughs> All right, but we're going to stop talking about that because it's happy news time. Yes, it's happy news. Yeah, Here's baby. some happy news. Self-driving cars. They're doing it. It's happening. Hey. Fuck yeah. A, and... Not only is it happening, it's gotten regulatory approval. What? In San Francisco. What? Doesn't sound true. It's true. A company called Cruise has been approved to operate a driverless taxi service in San Francisco. Okay, this is unironically both very, very cool and also kind of shocking. 
Yes. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been Uber or something. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, it's Cruise. I never heard of them before. Fucking sweet. When uh, are they starting operations? The press release is just that they got regulatory approval. Um, they said they're going to roll it out gradually. <laughs> um, roll. Roll. That's, that's not even a pun. Um, I think they might be doing it now. Nice. I mean, they... They say interested in taking a driverless ride. Sh- sign up at getcruise.com. Yeah. All right. If anybody listening to this is in San Francisco, jump into one of these things. Tell us if you survive, and uh, we- we'll have you on the show. If you don't survive, let us know too. We're yeah. we're interested either way. I am going to need you to call in from inside one of these cars while it's driving you somewhere. Though. Oh yes. All right. That'll be a subscriber bonus episode. Like like we. We will pay some of your fare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's San Francisco, so your fare is probably going to be like $50. For uh, but anyway, that's pretty awesome. Next piece of happy news, Santa Claus. But he's is he running coming for, to town? for an open house seat in Alaska. Nice. There's a dude. So Alaska has this crazy, uh, uh, which is actually kind of awesome, rank choice voting. For house seats now, there Hell is yeah. an open house seat. They're doing a special election, and so that the top four finishers by votes get to move on to the general election. They just do a completely open primary. The top four move on, and then you do rank choice voting for those four. And there's only really three popular people running, and there's like so there's like twenty other people running, uh, but they're all splitting the vote. Um, and one of them is a guy from North Pole, Alaska, named Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, the bad news is he's a socialist. But the good Aww. news is he's definitely not going to win, but he might get enough votes to get the fourth spot. So Santa Claus could be on the ballot in for the for the actual election, which uh, would just be awesome. That would be so fantastic. <laughs> uh, we should actually be finding out tomorrow... Or the next day, because the, the the election already happened, but it's all absentee ballots. Oh, okay. So I think it was um, the twenty first that they they had to be in by. So we should be finding out in the next few days if Santa Claus made it onto the ballot. Go Santa! Wow. We will keep people informed. All right. Next happy news: vasectomy switch. Inyash, this has to be you. Yes, it is. Okay, what's uh, what's the vasectomy sorry, switch? Sorry, our outline doesn't say vasectomy switch. It clearly says vasectomy switch. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, but, you know, I reserve the right to editorialize. Hmm. Oh, and uh, the headline is implantable semen valve. <laughs> so that's fun. That's my favorite kind of implantable <laughs> valve. <laughs> Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. Instead of getting a vasectomy that just cuts uh, your vest efferens and leaves you sterilized up until you get a reversal, in which case you... The reversals reversals don't always work. Uh, There is a man in Germany who was like, you know, this is kind of horseshit. What if I, like, want to have kids in 10 years? Uh, And he created a switch that you can put in you you sever the vast efferens but then instead of clamping them off you put this switch there on either side and uh while the switch is engaged it'll just dump the semen out into your uh into your ball sack where it's reabsorbed by the body uh but you can Guys, that's wor- the natural home for semen it's fine it is balls love semen 
but you can uh, work it through the scrotum, hold down a safety switch, and flip the, the main valve switch over, and it'll just route, uh, route the semen back through its regular course. Wait, can you do it yourself? I mean, yeah. judging by the very awesome. scientific diagram in this uh, article, yeah. And when I refer to these diagrams, listeners, you need to click through to this article and look at these pictures, because... Oh, shit, it, it's a real switch! Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> like, okay, so... It's a mechanical so the, switch! So the headline... Let me just describe this headline p- picture for you. So, imagine <laughs> a, a male scrotum that... Are you imagining it? <laughs> And I'll just, now just hold for a second. In the style, Imagine the scrotum. In the style of Dr. Frankenstein. Is the scrotum shaved? Because that's very important for it my is, imagination. Yes, it is shaved and uncircumcised. Oh, good. And, you don't circumcise scrotum. Yes, and, and uh, like oh. it, ha- it has the... Spoiler, there's also a dick in the picture. Yes, it has the <laughs> balls... And then there's these two, like, blue-white electrode-looking things running from the balls to what I assume are the bla- is the bladder. And then... No, it- you are not correct. Okay, w- then whatever that that's supposed not, to be. That is not... A- no, that's just the thing. That's the implant. No, but what's the, what's the big brown thing at the top, though? Oh, I don't know. That, I don't that, know that, that has the urethra <laughs> coming out of it. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing they put in or if that's supposed to be a natural thing. It's very smooth. It's it looks, natural uh, thing color. It looks manufactured. I mean, yeah, but so are the balls. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. <laughs> Any- anyway, there's some fun pictures in the article and you should look at them. But it, there's a literal switch, like yeah, a light switch yes, like, under your skin <laughs> that you just like sort of press in. Man, I would definitely get a tattoo being like on this way and off this way. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, judging by the um, comparison to the full size picture, they are like at the top of the scrotum in uh, peak fondling area. So oh, no, like, I would definitely not get a tattoo there. Make sure. Yeah. Also, make sure that your partner doesn't accidentally throw the switch. Well, there is a safety button. He okay, said that's good. it's. Yeah, you gotta depress that okay. while throwing the switch for uh, it to work. Honestly, it seems like having a mechanical switch uh, is a very 19th century solution. We could probably just do this by Bluetooth. <laughs> just have a have some smart balls implanted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I had smart balls, my life would be so different. Yeah, right? Balls are the dumbest <laughs> part of our bodies. Yeah. Uh, importantly, though, uh, much like a regular vasectomy, you are not sterile immediately. It takes about uh, a month for all the, the semen to completely get out of the tubes. So uh, it's not just like a, I'm going to switch it off tonight and sleep with a rando, and I'm going to switch it back on again for my wife. It's uh, you got to think it out a little bit more than that. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> it's all of a sudden there's no use case for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to just get the vasectomy. No more children for me. Yeah. This is more of a, you know, I might want to have kids in five years, so yeah. this is a temporary, yeah. It's IUDs, but for dudes. Totally. I actually already have IUDs, but for dudes, except the FDA won't approve them. <laughs> Jesus. No, I don't cry. believe it. I literally waited for six fucking years. It's a gel that you get put into your vast deferens uh, that uh, they've, they've got in India. And I waited six years for this thing to be approved here. And finally, I was like, fuck it. It's never going to happen. And I got my vasectomy. And that was four years ago. And it still hasn't happened. Wait, you said it. You said it's approved in India, though. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, how much do plane tickets to India cost? I knew you were going to look that up immediately. 
I mean, a vasectomy was eight bucks, so. What? It was eight bucks? Uh, I was unemployed at the time, so I was on Medicaid, so it was eight bucks. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did get some, you know, this is getting, I don't know, off track. I did get some semen frozen, which was several hundred, but worth it. Well, well, I for one would like to have a lot of little Inyashes running around, so I'm glad you did that. All right. Well, if anyone out there wants to have Inyash's baby, we'll um, we'll have to think of what's a good Patreon goal for that. Uh, yeah. Well, there'll have to be a direct bidding war, and I would get at least fifty percent of proceeds. Well, we'll talk about the details. It's not. It's okay, not okay. to anything. Uh, all right, fair you don't want to you don't want to commit to anything when it comes to children i am perfectly willing to undercut inyash there uh i will <laughs> let you keep 100 percent of the proceeds nice. all right anyway next story inyash has a charming human interest story for us i do there was a popular old lady or a beloved old lady i'm not sure which word is better here uh but all her neighbors really liked her. She was described as having a heart of gold. And uh, she, the place she'd been renting for a couple decades, the owner was like, well, I'm going to sell it now. And she was like, oh, no, I have to move. And all her neighbors said, no, we don't want the lady to move. So they uh, had a big donation drive, scrounged up the money, and bought the place and gave it to her. So that's that's really awesome, I think. It, it's nice that you can still actually have a community in the modern world where people care about you enough to do that kind of thing. That does sound nice. Yeah, I really hope yeah. nobody looks into the details of this and finds something horrible about it. No, she's like they always do. Racist. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, she's like milkshake duck. <laughs> Don't milkshake duck this old lady. <laughs> yeah. The reason I included this is because I was just thinking there's lots of like bad human interest stories, like you know, person X did something to fuck up the world, like stalk Brent Kavanaugh or uh, shoot up an abortion clinic or whatever. And uh, I-, I think you know. All of our happy newses are like systematic happy news, like the human race is getting better and stuff. But every now and then it would be nice to be reminded that sometimes individual people are really good and do great things too. And so maybe I'll start slipping in more of these that don't really matter on any sort of grand scale, but just make you feel good. Uh, I do remember some smart person advising us all to be more positive. So uh, way to go. All right. All right. And that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know. Politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield every episode. And as always, we start with David. Yeah, so I, for my troop deployment, have a modest proposal to save democracy in America by uh, making the Great White North safer democracy. Uh, The proposal is Operation Maple Fury to bring freedom to the Canadian province of Alberta. Uh, Alberta is uh, by far the most um, uh, right-wing of the Canadian provinces, uh, so I propose a, uh, a military action to liberate them from the tyrannical rule of um, uh, Justin Trudeau, and uh, to make them the 53rd state of the Union, bringing them in alongside Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., which would uh, resolve the moral issues around Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico being part of the United States but not actually represented states, uh, while not uh, having the same sort of uh political ramifications that have made past proposals to do this unpalatable uh this is a perfect plan with no flaws at all no i will not be taking questions at this time all right thank you david Eniash, what do you have for us 
I have a blog post by somebody who is not me, which is, I know, shocking. But... He is extremely <laughs> cool, though. Yeah. Oh, you know him? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, oh, cool. Uh, he wrote the uh, thing that I thought about sharing and maybe did, but maybe didn't about how abortion is hard. Interesting. Okay. Uh, this is Mike Michael Humer, uh, and he blogs at fake... Is that... How do you pronounce uh, that? Nouse? Noose? Uh, it's uh, it's almost certainly fake news. Yeah, I think it's like noose or nouse or something like that. But uh, it's so there's a there's a philosophy like uh, trade publication called the Daily Noose, uh, which is a reference to Daily News, um, but also nouse is or whatever is like a term of art in philosophy. And his blog is satirizing that publication, which is super woke and pretty terrible. Well, uh, after that uh, extremely entertaining and interesting uh, uh, discussion there, Eniash, (laughs) what's your troop deployment? Uh, My troop deployment is this blog post. I just discovered this blog, and I've been reading a bunch of it lately, but uh, this is the one I shared most recently, so it's the one that I'm putting in. Thank you for undeleting that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He argues that diversity is supposed to be good because it promotes exposure to a wide range of ideas and quotes the Supreme Court case in 1960-something that said exactly this, that this is why it's okay to have colleges promoting diversity and being, um, I guess, is, is what's, what's a non-inflammatory way to say this? Just, I want to say discriminatory in their admissions, but discriminatory sounds inflammatory? Uh, no, discriminatory is correct, I think. Well, that it's okay for universities to be discriminatory in their admissions somewhat in order to promote diversity because diversity is good. It brings in a variety of ideas, experiences, attitudes, uh, other things that increases your views on the world and, and your ability to learn and absorb new things. And it's good to have people who actually believe those things and represent them around you, not just hearing about it from a textbook. Um... This, I actually agree with this, and uh, it is the same reason that I was pro-diversity, and still am, uh, of the actual diverse kind. But, of course, uh, in the academy, in colleges and universities around this country anyway, uh, there is not very much diversity of thought at all. Left-wing beliefs dominate, and so anyone who actually believed in diversity would be demanding first preferences for conservatives, libertarians, moderates, also fascists, monarchists, you know, just anyone who is out there, has diverse ideas, and doesn't accept the orthodoxy. Uh, And everybody knows that this isn't what's happening. Uh, as Michael says, virtually none, maybe actually zero, of the woke social justice warrior people support philosophical diversity. And the most woke people are the ones who aggressively try to silence all dissent. Uh, I don't think there's any point in arguing this because it seems to just be obviously true, which, as we said, is the second best kind of true. Um, and also, this is my troop deployment, so I'm not going to bother with that. But, uh, yeah, the diversity was good when it was actual diversity. Now it's not diversity. And even though everybody knows this and kind of just implicitly accepts it, uh, they still use the word diversity because it still has that veneer of respectability because it was about a good thing in the past. And I think it's still good to say the quiet part out loud sometimes. And that quiet part is uh, this diversity that people are advocating for is not actually diverse at all it's the opposite of that and so it's not a good thing all right thank you Eniage. sure 
My troop deployment this episode is lock him up. Uh, Donald Trump is a career criminal. It's obvious that Donald Trump is a career criminal. Now, normally, I'm sympathetic to career criminals. We have a lot of laws, <laughs> many of which are stupid. And we all commit multiple crimes a day, so I tend to be pretty cautious about ever recommending prosecution of anyone. But when it's the president, I say that's the time to go for it. Some people feel the opposite. There have been a lot of takes since Trump left office about how it would be some kind of national trauma if we prosecuted a former president and the country would descend into partisan warfare. Which, I don't know if you looked out a window recently, but partisan warfare is a pretty safe prediction no matter what happens. Uh, they say an incoming president can't prosecute his political enemies. That's what they do in banana republics. Apparently in sophisticated, advanced countries like ours, we just let our leaders commit crimes with impunity. It's also bullshit. Such bullshit because these are the same people who say the president is not above the law. Well, pick one. Either he gets punished for his crimes or he's above the law. You can't have both. And he's committed a bunch of crimes. The Mueller report detailed about a dozen counts of obstruction of justice. The phone call to Brett Raffensperger was undeniably criminal. And the January 6th commission just finished showing everyone how Trump was well aware that he lost the election and his public legal theories were meritless. Any non-chicken shit prosecutor could indict him for any of those and have a strong chance of winning conviction. When powerful politicians break the law, that's the one place I think it's actually important to enforce the law. These are the people in charge of the laws! When a normal person thinks the law is stupid, their best option is often just to ignore it and avoid law enforcement. But when a powerful national politician thinks the law is stupid, they can change the law. Or at least try. Politicians should be the highest priority targets for law enforcement, and the president should be the highest priority of all. So I say ignore the bootlickers saying Trump is above the law and issue the indictments already. Fuck yes. All right, that's our show. Uh, thanks for listening. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts, review us wherever you review podcasts, and subscribe on Substack to get our episodes early like a true person of taste. You'll get bon access to bonus episodes and you'll get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. We'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.